Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. I'm Nathan Roach, filling in for Brian Berger. He's on vacation, maybe even playing a little Kapalua in Hawaii. We'll have to check in with him when he returns. Got a great show for you. In segment three, Bobby and I are going to talk a little NFL. There's some debatable topics right now in the NFL, one of which includes Brett Favre. And another that includes Michael Vick. And Bobby and I are going to banter a little bit and give our take on both of those. In segment four, we're going to be joined by Joe Giasante. He's the Senior Associate Athletic Director for the University of Oregon. We're going to talk about the U of O's new multimedia daily program called Go Ducks Live. U of O's return to college baseball, of course, this year. And the transition of athletic directors that we know, Mike Bellotti moved into that athletic director role. Before we get started... Check out the Sports Business Radio blog on sportsbusinessradio.com. If you missed our show or you want to hear it again, you can go to the SBR podcast on demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. And, of course, we're also Twittering. So follow our Twitter. Brian is constantly giving updates throughout the week on the latest in sports business. Bobby, I got to say, last this earlier this week, I sat down and I watched Shaq versus with high expectations and it did disappoint, and it also didn't disappoint. It disappointed me in the fact that it's kind of cheesy. But I like the concept. And the first show, of course, started out with Shaq playing football. Again, Ben Roethlisberger. That's who he's playing against. Ben Roethlisberger beat him at horse. But I like the concept. It just dragged on a little bit. What, what are your thoughts on this whole Shaq versus? You know, I like it. And the fact that we can look at an athlete such as Shaq, and Shaq can just amaze us no matter what it does. Listen, we were talking off air. The guy throw, you know, he catches an interception. Basically, takes the ball away. Roethlisberger throws it. He catches it, and for fun, he runs. You're not going to tackle a guy that big, but the fact that he was able to move quickly blew my mind. But back to your original question, love the concept, love the way that the show's going to progress. But yes, it was a little slow, and I think that will change in the next couple of weeks. Well, I think I'm going to stay tuned just because of the athletes that he's got lined up. Michael Phelps. Oscar De La Hoya, Misty May Trenner, and Kerry Walsh, and Serena Williams. I mean, those are marquee athletes, so it'll be interesting to see how Shaq matches up against them. So I'll stay tuned. It's a little cheesy, but I'll definitely stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'm Nathan Roach. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, welcome back. It's time for Sports Business Radio headlines sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one and two. Bobby and I are going to break down in more detail in segment three. But the first headline should come as a surprise. We all know that Michael Vick is returning to the NFL. He's going to be playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, talking about jersey sales, Michael Vick's number seven jersey went on sale last weekend on the NFL and Eagles websites, marking the first time in more than two years that NFL and Reebok have officially sold a Vick jersey. We all remember that Reebok yanked the Vick jerseys from its retail stores and website back in July of 2007 before he was charged with conspiracy and running a dogfighting operation. Now, Reebok right now does not have immediate figures on the number of Vicks jerseys orders, but it's many, Bobby. And uh, are you surprised by this, that Vic jersey sales have all of a sudden spiked again? No, not at all. I mean, listen, the guy's a phenomenal athlete, and no matter, you know, listen, we'll debate this again coming up next, but people want his jersey because he is now part of the Philadelphia family, and people want to support him. And they support him by going out and buying his jersey. Well, Modell Sporting Goods said that with more than 300 jerseys and T-shirts on the racks, the store sold more than $1,200 worth of merchandise on last weekend and $1,700 worth this week so far. A Modell spokesperson said that even they opened, even when they opened, four or five customers were already lined up. Well, it's not all good news. As our friend Darren Ravel reports, Dick Sporting Goods has decided not to sell the jerseys bearing Vic's name altogether. Again, Bobby, we will debate this, but uh, I think that you're going to see two sides of the coin here. I think you'll see people support Philadelphia, and I think you'll see the people that want to buy Vic's jersey because they want a piece of memorabilia. Absolutely. And listen, like we said, they'll support Vic by buying his jersey. Not everybody has to go out and buy it, and a lot of people won't. But I'm saying it needs to be out there for the people that do. Well, the other question here, too, that we've talked about for some time, if Vic was to return is how sponsors would deal with it. And Eagles president Joe Banner, he talked about the reaction from sponsors last week, saying that there were about a half a dozen sponsors who called last week, and the one thing they wanted to do was find out what the team was thinking. He said, we'll continue to talk to our corporate sponsors. We'll reach back out to them. As far as I know, no one was angry and nobody threatened to cancel, but some did want to understand our thinking, and we spend some time with him. Bobby, if you're a corporate sponsor right now, I can't believe nobody's pulled out right yet. Do you think the corporate sponsor is going to pull out of this thing? You know, with the amount of money invested in it, I don't think so. If the economy was in a lot better shape, I see that possibly happening because people will be like, listen, we can take our money elsewhere. But the reason why they're investing now, because they know that it's going to pay off when the economy does turn around. And if you take it out now, you could be you know, seriously hurt come the turnaround. Well, and I think that the Vic hype is going to wear off eventually. I think eventually after one season, maybe people, I don't know that they'll ever forget about it, but I think it'll slowly start to fade away and it'll just be a black sheep in his closet. Headline number two, three weeks ago, Bobby, I sat here with you and we talked about how Brett Favre was retiring. And uh, I was skeptical then, but Brett Favre has announced that he's going to return to the NFL again, Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings really have hit a payday here. They've they've taken the buzz away from the Michael Vick saga and now turned it in to a, their own saga. I mean, there were nobody, there was hardly any reporters at camp a couple weeks ago, and now it's packed. And let, let's just talk about some of the numbers for a second. The acquisition of the future Hall of Famer, 
resulted in a quick burst at the box office with more than 3,000 season tickets sold and 10,000 single-game tickets in the first 24 hours when the news broke this week. There was so much of an interest in tickets that Ticketmaster had to set up an additional infrastructure to handle the volume of requests. Bobby, we know Brett Favre can still play. We saw him last season. I can't say that I'm surprised by this. This is a... If nothing else, it's a business move on the Vikings. I mean, all of a sudden, look, they've sold 10,000 single-game tickets right off the bat. You know, it's crazy. We went from having the OJ White Bronco chase and all the live media coverage to having the Brett Favre White Jet Saga because, you know— Wasn't he in an Escalade or something like that? Oh, he was in Escalade, and, you know, we have the traffic reporters or whatever and the helicopter saying, oh, my gosh, there's Brett stepping out in his orange baseball cap. Listen, you know, good for Brett. I'm glad he's back in the NFL, but— Listen, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, and you can mark my words on it. Spe- speaking of that orange baseball cap, has he had that for like six years? I swear, every single time I see him off the field, that orange Nike golf baseball cap is on his head. You know, it's a win-win for Nike golf, but seriously, can he not just get a Vikings hat? I'm sure there are plenty lying around. Exactly. Well, as we just talked about with Michael Vick, jersey sales are also expected to be strong. I think Brett Favre jerseys will go for more than Michael Vick's uh, jersey sales, so we'll have to stay tuned and see uh, see how that's going to work out. But ESPN is probably going to draw some pretty big ratings for uh, for the NFL season here. The October 5th game, Packers-Vikings, Monday night football on ESPN. Favre's return, what do you think? It's going to be crazy, and you know what? I'm sure it's driving ticket prices up, too, because you know now people want to see the game. Well, let me just throw this out there, too. Vikings-Packers tickets... At Lambeau Field, ran for about 179 bucks on Monday. Favre signing now have pushed those prices to 325 bucks. So uh, look for those on eBay for quite a bit more than that. Headline number three: CBS's ratings for the PGA up. They earned a 7.5 overnight Nielsen rating for last weekend's coverage of the final round of the PGA Championship, which featured, of course, Y.E. Yang, who beat Tiger Woods by three shots. It marked the highest-rated round of the PGA Championship since an 8.0 in 2002 when Rich Beam also beat out Tiger Woods. The 7.5 overnight is also this year's highest-rated round of golf since an 8.8 for the final round of the Masters in April. Get this. The final round PGA coverage was up 150% from Padraig Harrington's win over Sergio Garcia and Ben Curtis last year. It just goes to show you, Bobby, we talk time and time again on this show about the Tiger factor. And... It didn't even matter they didn't win. He was in the final round, so everybody's going to stay tuned to see if he wins. So really, CBS wasn't affected by Tiger not winning. No, they weren't. But like we said, you want to draw TV ratings. You want to have Tiger in the final group. Even though he lost, like you're right. doesn't matter that he didn't win or lose. But anytime he's in that final group or in the hunt, people tune in to watch. Yeah, and sticking with the same PGS, Lecoq Sportif and Adidas. They got a ton of brand exposure from Y.E. Yang's win. Yang's championship for Lecoq Sportif was a win, but it wasn't necessarily a win in the United States. Here's what's ironic is Lecoq Sportif pulled out of any U.S. market share a couple years ago, so the exposure really did nothing for them because they're not being sold in retail stores. Now, the CBS telecast on Sunday generated more than $2 million in exposure for that brand, but again, it doesn't really do much for him here in the U.S. No, when, when they pulled out a couple years ago, you know, that was kind of their farewell song, and listen, so now they have a guy that comes back and win it. People that I know were trying to go online to buy merchandise after this crashed the website. Wow. And, you know, as you and I both know, unless you have available merchandise up and ready to roll, 
What it a, doesn't work. What a nightmare. They might have to rethink this. Now, Adidas, of course, is also a sponsor. And when it was like a Tiger-esque moment when the golf, the Nike golf ball almost went in the or did go in the hole. They held the, he held his bag up. His caddy held his bag up in the air. Right there, the Adidas logo strategically placed. So some nice brand exposure for Adidas, which will work out nicely. Headline number five, the National signed top draft pick, Steven Strasburg, to a, a record deal. I mean, big-time deal. I thought Mark Pryor's deal a couple years ago was big. This week, $15.1 million. That gives the franchise the most hyped college pitcher in, in his generation, if you will. And uh, are you surprised by this? There was back and forth. They signed the agreement two minutes before the deadline, Bobby. No, we knew that they would take it down, and we knew that Scott Boris, his agent, would sit there, and you know he'd sit there and just wrangle. He had the top. Boris had the top three players. All three of the top three players were unsigned, and yet they all signed the day of with literally minutes to spare. We knew this was going to happen. I think the only debate question is how much money, or would Strasburg not sign and come back next year? Well, Fox Sports is. Ken Rosenthal reports that Strasburg will receive a $7.5 million signing bonus. That's payable in three installments. The deal is worth roughly 50% more than Pryor's deal. Initially, they were asking for about $20 million, and they found some uh, middle ground there. So we'll see if this can kind of help turn the Washington Nationals program around. I think it probably will, but uh, they've been rocky as of late. Well, coming up next, Bobby and I are going to do some debating about some issues we just talked about. Brett Favre, his return to the NFL, and Michael Vick's return to the NFL. Stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We will be right back. It's been a long week. I've got a slow leak in my left front tire. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. Well, welcome back to Sports Business Radio. Nathan Roach here, joined by Bobby Corser, SBR producer and NFL extraordinaire. Bobby, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. There is a lot of moving and shaking going on right now in the NFL and, a, and really a big media circus. And let's just start with Michael Vick because it's the most obvious story going on right now. And I guess what I'll say, I'll pose this question to you just to kick this pseudo debate off is, do you think Michael Vick should have been able to return to the NFL now? Or do you think he should have been suspended for a while? You know, listen, and we know he has to immediately face a six-game suspension. That's fine. But to answer your question, I don't think he should have been been allowed back this year at all. I think he would have had, or I think he should have had to sit out at least one year 
in addition to the time he served. Dante Stallworth is going to have to sit out a year. Now, Dante Stallworth killed a human being. Yeah, I'm aware of that. And, you know, Michael Vick had his hand in killing animals, and we can have that debate another time about, you know, what's a harsher penalty. However, I still think he should have had to sit out at least a year. I know you disagree with me, but my reasons are, listen, the guy committed crimes against animals. Yes, he did serve his prison time. That's fine. But I don't think he should have been allowed to immediately come back into the NFL. Well, a lot of people say playing in the NFL is a privilege. And I don't totally disagree with that. I think there is some privilege to it. But it's a job, like any other job. And my feelings are, look, if you go out and you commit a crime, once you serve your time, you can come back and try and look for employment. Now, Michael Vick's specialty happens to be football, which is a very high-paying job. But if I'm a web designer and I get convicted of a crime and I serve my two years, then I should be able to come back and do web design. And so while I, I sort of agree with you, maybe the suspension should have been stiffer, I think that, look, he went to jail for two years. Dante Stallworth doesn't really have an equivalent jail time, and I don't want to get into the Dante Stallworth debate here, but I understand the year suspension because, frankly, he really didn't do any time, if you will. Michael Vick had to serve time in a federal prison. And like I said when he went to jail— if there's a team that's willing to pick up Michael Vick and pay him money, I mean, he's getting, what, $1.2 million, and pay him, then that's on the team. I think Roger Goodell probably did the right thing by letting him play again. But there's a lot of people out there that are debating that, yourself included, Bobby. Absolutely. But, you know, my question to you is, why not have him sit out a year? Let him, you know, we all knew coming out. After serving his time, we had heard, listen, he's going to come out. He's going to do a lot of work somehow with the Humane Society. He's going to, you know, work with kids and do all that stuff. Let him do that for a year. Let him get back into society. Let him get back into the good graces of society without immediately now jumping into the NFL aspect of it. Well, see, and I think you bring up a good point there. When you're a star, you're a celebrity, you got to be in the limelight all the time. And if Vic sits out a year and he's doing stuff in the community, that's great. But how much exposure is he really going to get? The first month or two, the media might talk about it. Maybe uh, people are interested in hearing what Vic has to say as a spokesperson. But he's not a professional athlete on the field. I think the impact is bigger. If you're on the field, letting people watch you every single week, and then you're also out in the community. I think I see a lot of athletes that do great things in the community. And it's not, I'm not saying that you need to get media exposure for every little thing you do. But I think he's more likely to have a bigger impact if he's also playing football where kids and he can influence kids and other, uh, you know, uh, other people have been put in the same situation than if he's not on the field at all. You know, the interesting side note of this, I think, and we talked about a little bit in headlines, is uh, is the sponsorship deal. Is anybody going to pick up Michael Vick at this point? Are there any sponsors out there that are going to sign him now, six months, a year from now? Is he ever going to have another endorsement deal? I don't I don't think so, but you know what? I really can't blame companies for not wanting to touch him. I really can't. Well, from Michael Vick, which is kind of a bad case, let's talk about Brett Favre, too. Here's another interesting story. He retires. He comes back. He retires. And now he comes back again. And I, and I got to say, I'm getting a little tired of these great athletes for one, tarnishing their image by retiring to come back. We saw it with Michael Jordan. The first time he came back, he was able to win another three championships. And then he comes back and he plays for the Wizards and doesn't do anything. I guess as a fan, 
it always disappoints me to see they come, to see them come back and not be the great athlete that they once were. And moreover, with Brett Favre, I'm getting a little sick of the whole Brett Favre. I'm retired. No, I'm not retired. I, I think it's hurting the NFL, Bobby. You know, I I completely agree with you because you and I, you know, when we wake up, we generally turn on, like say, Sports Center or any type of sports program, and it's Vic and it's you know Brett Favre's coming back, and this whole last week was nothing but Favre, 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 Favre. That's fine, but give it a rest. And listen, this guy has tarnished his image. He's no longer the wholesome player. He's no longer the guy with integrity. He came back for the money. Let, let's just put it on the table of that. That's the only reason why he's back. Yeah, no, and, and I don't disagree with that. I think uh, the only reason he's able to pull this off is because he's so lov- lovable, just like Michael Jordan. That's the only way that he, if Terrell Owens, which is another media circus type of guy who brings a lot of attention to himself, especially in the offseason, if Terrell Owens pulls this, the same thing that Brett Favre is pulling, he'd be getting he's been getting beat up by the media. But Brett Favre, he's a little more beloved. So I guess the bigger question here, Bobby, is – like you just mentioned, are they drawing these things out too far? Is the media drawing this out too far? The Brett Favre, the Michael Vick, Terrell Owens sagas on and off the field. The media circus, listen, and you know we're part of the media. It's part of our job to report what's happening. But my question is, where is that fine line where it's decent reporting and then it comes into the overkill situation? Listen, like I said in headlines, we all know what happened with the OJ chase. Everybody tuned in to watch that. I had flashbacks of that happening again with following Brett's plane from Mississippi up to Minnesota. Fine. But where is the point where you just say enough is enough? Okay, Brett's now here. Here's the press conference. He came out to practice. We're good. I don't need you to drag out all 19 of your analysts to tell me what a good guy or bad guy is, what kind of effect he's going to have on the team. Listen, let the guy play at least one game. Uh, and, And I agree with that on the Terrell Owens and the Brett Favre front. I think you cover the story. Hey, Terrell did this. We're done with it. Brett Favre, he's back. Great. We'll fall him through the season. I think the Vic story is a bigger story because it has consequences. And and everybody wants to see how this is going to develop. This story has really just begun. He's just now entering the NFL. There's a lot of sub-stories here. There's the sponsorship. Is, any, is he going to get any endorsement deals? Is he going to be this, the good boy spokesperson that he says he's going to be? And moreover... How is he going to perform on the field? The guy has not had a snap in two years, and now he's playing professional football. It, does he still have it, really, is the question. And so, for me, I understand the Michael Vick story. This is one of the biggest sports stories in the last couple of years, both before and after his release from prison. So I think the media is entitled to continue to cover it. The Brett Favre thing, it's been a week. Okay, Brett Favre's coming back. Let's see how he does in the season. Terrell Owens, let's just wait for his next little... Uh, what do you call it, Terrell Owens uh, antics, if yeah, you will. Let's wait for the next blow-up where, you know, he's going to do something in Buffalo and, you know, everybody's going to be like, oh, man, again, you know, we saw it in San Fran, we saw it in Dallas, now we're going to see it in Buffalo. But Well, you know, and the thing that goes along with, of course, all of these signings are contracts, yeah. contract deals. And, you know, one of the things we've mentioned on this show before is should contracts be performance-based? The NFL gives you big signing bonuses. You know, the NBA doesn't have the huge signing bonuses. The NFL, you have to be on the field to get paid. So do you think, Bobby, at the end of a season, you should be able to renegotiate a contract? Should it be a year-by-year-by-year-by-year contract, or should you stick with what you've been given? You know, I think you should be stick with what you're given. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. And you see the NBA, you see it in Major League Baseball, you see it in the NFL. A guy has a great season. I mean, just, you know, great numbers. Hey, he finally steps up to the potential we've seen. 
And, you know, it always seems to kind of sneak in there when it's a contract year. He's coming up on a big contract with the potential to have a big contract. And he performs, the team wins a championship, and the big deal becomes, oh, what's he going to resign at? So he goes and he resigns at, you know, X amount of dollars. The next season, he slacks off. And the season after that, he slacks off. And then finally, in the third year of his three-year contract, he has another really good season because, hey, you know, it's a contract year. Can players... Or should players have the right to say, listen, I had a really good year for one year. I really want that next big deal. Should we hold them accountable so it now goes year by year? Should a team say, listen, if you had a good year and you won a championship, great. We want another championship next year. Should we be able to hold teams to that standard? See, and I'm on the fence about that. Like, if all of us, we sit down, we get a new job, they say, here's what we're going to pay you. We have a great year, and, and that next year we have a performance review. And if we have a great year, we're entitled to, or we think we're entitled to, a raise. Now, athletes, should they be held to that same standard? I don't think they should. When a team takes a chance on an athlete, they say, we're going to give you this amount of money for three years because we have faith in you. And that's what you should get paid. Does your boss come to you if you've done really poorly that year and say, you know what, you really had a rough year this year in the office. We're actually going to have to take about 25% back of what we initially said we were going to pay you. No, I don't think that that's fair. So I think you're stuck with it, and that's the way that it should be. Oh, I agree. And I think athletes should have to pay the same, you know, play by the same ways. It's just, you know, I understand that you want more money, and I understand that you come off a great season. But listen, you signed a contract to start with. You don't have the right to renegotiate it every year based on your previous season's performance. Well, we will stay tuned with all these sagas. I think especially the Michael Vick. I don't think this is... By any means, the last that we're going to hear of the Vic saga, hopefully the Brett Favre and the Terrell Owens will trickle off. But uh, anyway, coming up in segment four, we're going to be joined by Joe Giasante. He's the senior associate athletic director for the University of Oregon. A lot of stuff going on at U of O. It's a big powerhouse program in a number of different sports. Stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Joining me today is a good friend of the show, Senior Associate Athletic Director Joe Giansante from the University of Oregon. Joe, I appreciate you taking time to join me. Thanks so much, Bobby. Happy to be here. The University of Oregon, everybody knows them on the field football-wise for the uniforms. But what you guys do upstairs in the athletic department is also making waves. You guys launched this year something called Go Ducks Live. And for people that don't know what it is, it's a two-hour 
internet-based media program where you guys basically, you know, roll out coaches, players, athletes, and it's a way for you guys to get out the university message. Just kind of talk to me about how that, you know, started and uh, what kind of responses you've gotten from it. Yeah, thanks, Bobby. Yeah, you know, one of the things about media is just how quickly it's changing, and, and my background is in media. I actually haven't followed the traditional route into collegiate administration. I came out of uh, radio and television and network creation into this new job. And so, you know, my abilities and my expertise would be more in line with, you know, creating content and creating media. And and I think that, you know, in a day and age where technology has changed so much, um, there's a a tremendous opportunity at the collegiate level. I think the pro leagues are already doing this, but a tremendous opportunity at the collegiate level to not only generate revenue through – are highly visited websites, but also control your message a little bit more than has been controlled in the past. And so, you know, when I when I say control, I'm not referring to the uh, old Soviet news agency tasks. What I'm talking about is the ability to get out stories and information about um, our teams, our student athletes, and our business without a filter of the media, which makes it tougher for people to consume. So, in a day and age when the consumption of that content, the ease of consumption, is so important. This is an avenue for us now to go take um, our coaches, our players, our stories, our ticket promotion. Um, you know, an innovative idea that we might have in, um, you know, in, in our concessions business, whatever. It's a, it's a way for us to take that straight to our fans without even having it be filtered. And, and this show not only is a, an audio show online every day for two hours, it also has a video component to it, and it's also simulcast in the local market. So. We think we're the first university to actually produce a show ourselves and then have that simulcast on a daily basis in the local market. And, and you know, as it is these days, our donors don't just live in Eugene, Oregon. You know, our donors live in San Francisco and Tokyo and Berlin and around the world. And so for them to have access to our product and to, to stay connected to the university through this new show is really what the impetus was for it. So, Joe, not only are you guys, you know, kind of branching out into the new media aspect, but you still have to have that traditional media component, as you said, with the radio. But we all know that the way that, you know, information is going now, it's going all viral. It's going online. It's going to places where people can go to get it quickly without having, like you said, to use the traditional media. Just talk about how you guys are able to do that. And I know in addition to GoDuck's Dive, you guys are using Facebook and Twitter. A lot of companies are going to this. Why, you know, why the social media route? Well, I think that that's where the, that's where discourse takes place, and you know, I think the one thing we're focused on is not necessarily uh, Facebook and Twitter. What we're focused on is the next generation of social media. You know, where does discourse take place? How do people converse? Where do uh, corporations place their advertisements? Uh, you know, those kinds of things I, I think are we're really focused on, and that's you know, having a show like this to be able to reach people out, reach people across the world with your message allows you to direct them to the kind of social uh, media that we're talking about. You know, that there's specialized duck ticket buying groups. There are, uh, there's some new software that, you know, would allow you to apply, um, you know, your, your common interests with others um, in an immediate fashion through your own website. I mean, those kinds of things I think is where we're focused. And we're, we're certainly going to continue to do Facebook, Twitter, the kinds of things that people are doing right now. Um, you know, but, but we're also spending a lot of time thinking about what's next and, you know, the generation of the iPhone and, and um, you know, the, the interactivity between your phone and your computer and your television and the deliverability of video, you know, through your computer and, 
you know, it's amazing, you know, those of us that are young, we, we were talking about this today in a staff meeting, the incoming freshmen at the University of Oregon now know nothing but a computer world. You know, if you, it's just amazing to think about that, that when we think back as, as kids, you know, typing papers on typewriters in college or whatever we did, you know, the kids that are going to be freshmen in college now know nothing but the computer age. And so the, the fact that we have to jump out in front and be available to the next technology and to really press, and uh, it's easy not to do it, Bobby. It's really important, though, that we allocate time and resource to go do it because that's where the future of the business is. What has the response been from your peers around the college networks? Because like you said, you guys are the first ones to have a show dedicated strictly to getting your message out. What have you heard from other folks? We're getting a lot of questions from other universities about um, how how did you get it on in the local market? Um, you know, how much did it cost to do the show? You know, how, what kind of technology are you using? You know, the, the technology is very basic. You know, we have a multi-media rights uh, partner. They handle advertising. We have a, um, an online company that, you know, helps us stream the show and, and gets it out, uh, you know, like any other piece of media gets out when you go online and, and look at things. Um, you know, we actually initiated the conversations with the radio station in town for a simulcast, and we, cr- we created an advertising split. Basically, we gave them the show for free and gave them the opportunity to go ahead and generate their own ads, uh, and then they could profit for that. So it's a great deal for a radio station because they, they have a no-cost local program. It's a great deal for us because we're advertising our products and our tickets and various things in the course of our show and getting this message out directly to people. So it's those kinds of partnerships that you work on, and those are the kinds of things that other universities want to know Know, how we created that and how much things cost, and, and really that's been the discussion with uh, some of the other universities. In addition to creating this show, you also are in charge of the brand-new Ducks baseball program. They just finished their first season. Uh, talk to me about how the uh, new stadium is coming along and uh, how fundraising is starting. Yeah, thanks, Bobby. I think that you know one of the great things about um, this baseball project, you know, adding baseball back after a 28-year hiatus gave us the opportunity to apply some of this innovative business to baseball, so at the collegiate level. I think that minor league baseball in the last eight years has absolutely exploded, and, and it's become a, uh, you know, a, a premier family event across the country, and there's been a, a huge explosion in the creation of ballparks that generate dollars. And having the opportunity to reinstate baseball in 2008, last year when we did it, also gave us the opportunity to learn a lot about what minor league baseball teams are doing around the country to generate dollars. So while I think in the SEC and certainly a little bit in the ACC, uh, they started to realize that baseball has the potential to start generating some dollars in an athletic department, and we see that at LSU and at Mississippi State and places like Clemson. And, uh, you know, there are other places in South Carolina. There are other places doing a very good job of it. But the minor league baseball entity has created the model that can be applied to college baseball. And so the park that has been constructed is built just like a minor league baseball park with a wide open concourse, ease of concessions, um, you know, that people have to walk by certain things uh, to get to their seat, things that they might want to buy. There's kiosks, the hawking that you would see in selling food, um, the multimedia rights, the the number of games on television. You know, we had 15 games, college games on TV last year. Uh, The way sponsorship signage works, it's not just a sign, but there's actually an experience for that sponsor at the ball game. So these are all things that minor league baseball has been doing for uh, many years, and now we're trying to employ that into college baseball, and we had a tremendous first season and, and paid all the bills for baseball in the very first season. 
We talk on the show a lot about how parks can make money outside of baseball. What are you guys doing down there to, uh, you know, let other groups use this? Are you guys booking concerts? Or what type of other activities are you planning for PK Park? Absolutely. The, the day and age of, like, this is our building and nobody can come in are over. You know, if we want – the University of Oregon has a $62 million athletic budget. We are self-sufficient. That means we take no dollars from the uh, campus general fund. And for us to be able to continue to do that, there is a business that has to be run. Clearly, we're going to do things like, you know, be proactive in Title IX, and we're going to make sure that our student-athletes have great experiences. But there's also a side part of this, and that's running the business of, of what we're doing. And that means filling up our venues with events bringing concerts to town, um, having high school tournaments during spring break, um, having a minor league baseball team play in our park and pay us a lease and rent payment. Those are all part of, of the entire uh, approach here as we try to you know, remain self, self-sufficient, even though our football stadium only seats 60,000 people, which is for Oregon, you know, with the 21 self-sufficient universities, Oregon has the smallest stadium of any of those schools that are self-sufficient. So for us to be able to compete with USC and Stanford and UCLA and some of the incredible universities in our league, you know, those are the things we have to do to make sure to stay ahead of the curve and, and be able to hire the best coaches and uh, create great experiences for our fans and not let ticket prices get out of control. Those are the things that we have to do to, to make sure we run a good business. Speaking of the athletic department, you guys have just recently had a change over Pat Hill. Kenny step aside as the athletic director and former football head coach Mike Bellotti was named Talk about the transition and how that's going so far. Yeah, it's been a, a seamless transition, you know, just basically, uh, you know, upstairs. So the offensive coordinator becomes the football coach, the football coach becomes the AD. The great part about this, Bobby, is that, again, Oregon being so unique, um, you know, this Mr. Kilkenny, who made, uh, you know, did very well in the insurance business, um, and it is an absolutely uh, incredible financial wizard and leader and visionary and, uh, an amazing businessman has, uh, you know, really applied a lot of sound business principles to what we do, and and the best part about it is he's going to stay involved in all of those aspects, you know, given that he's an alum and he, he not, it's not like when most schools lose an athletic director, you know, they move on and they go to you know Ohio State or Notre Dame or wherever. The the, the benefit for us is that Mr. Kilkenny is going to stay involved in all these incredible financial. Um, challenges that we face with a new arena and a new baseball park and the business of what we're trying to do. And then when you when you complement that with the new athletic director who is great with coaches and overseeing student-athletes and creating the experience that we want our kids to have here, um, you know, just gives us a, a great mix. You know, it's, it's um, you know, Coach Pilates is an incredible leader. Um, he, he also has great vision, you know, in, in lots of different areas. And um, you know, he wants that when student-athletes come in, um, he wants those kids to have a great experience. He's going to be able to help our other co- coaches learn how to recruit and be successful. He's going to be able to help manage uh, other coaches' budgets and make sure that we're uh, meeting our state mandate of having a balanced budget. So uh, I just think it's been a tremendous transition, and Mike Blotti is going to be a tremendous athletic director, and, and we get the benefit of still having Mr. Kilkenny available. Last question for you. With the transition to a new athletic director and the fact that you guys are self-sufficient, how much money are you guys able to give back to the university as a thank you for, you know, one, not having to take money from the general fund, but two, just, you know, as a nice kickback to them saying, you know, listen, we appreciate our donors and they want to also contribute to education? That's a good good point, Bobby. I think these are things that people don't necessarily realize. When we, when we talk about self-sufficient, that even includes, 
the fact that on every gift that comes into athletics, 3% of that gift goes to the academic mission. Um, licensing dollars, um, a huge amount of our licensing dollars go to the academic mission. So in other words, when you buy, you know, when you bought a Dennis Dixon jersey a few years ago, the majority of that money goes to our academic mission. Um, you know, just in this department, you know, we spend roughly $170,000 a year on band scholarships in the School of Music and the salaries of individuals who oversee those groups. So there is a lot of money that goes the other way from athletics to academics, and for very good reason. You know, in our position as a you know university, as a whole university, um, this is not an either-or. This is not an academics against athletics battle. This is two groups working together to uh, enhance the experience for everybody. And, and you see that in our facilities as well and, and you know, how we, how we raise money together and, you know, the usage of our new academic learning center, things like that that we'll be working together with uh, on campus. And, yeah, there's a considerable amount of money that goes the other way that a lot of people don't know anything about. Joe, please tell our listeners where they can get more information, one, about GoDucks Live and, two, about the University of Oregon in general. Yeah, GoDucks.com is your best source of information for everything going on at the university, part of our uh, effort to launch a really a, a video-based, TV-based web component or content-based web component. Um, we're currently working through a, a new rollout, and we'll have a redesigned, um, one-of-a-kind one website hitting the market uh, within weeks. And um, every day, GoDucks Live is from 8 to 10 Pacific time, um, locally in, in the local market on 1320, but available worldwide for free at GoDucks.com. And, uh, Get a chance to hear what's going on. Chip Kelly's on every Monday, the head football coach, and Mike Bellotti is on every Wednesday. Joe, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you. Thanks so much, Bobby. Take care now. You too. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We will be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Welcome back. It's our final segment here at Sports Business Radio. And, Bobby, we've got a great ad campaign coming up here. Peyton Manning and Justin Timberlake involved in a Sony ad campaign. It's an integrated marketing campaign with Manning, Timberlake, and ESPN's Aaron Andrews. Bobby, I know that you're excited about that. Among other celebrities, Sony will officially launch the campaign in September and it'll be TV spots, online radio, and newspaper ads. Bobby, what do you think? I love Peyton Manning. I th- and, and Justin Timberlake, they have great personalities. And let's face it, Aaron Andrews, not bad to look at. No, we all love Aaron, but you know what? You're right. 
Payton and Justin Timberlake are two very large stars that sell stuff. And combined with Aaron Andrews, it's a powerhouse. Yeah, and they're being paired as a comic duo, which I can completely see because Peyton Manning, he's always playing some sort of comedy role in those commercials. The campaign has a budget of 70 to $80 million. So uh, some big money being poured into this campaign. The spots, they all depict shoppers and stores asking panels of Sony experts questions about product features and choices. Some replies are serious. Others are silly. Timberlake is on hand to extol the virtues of Sony products for entertainment purposes, among them TV sets, via notebook computers and cameras, and Manning returns to promote the Bavaria high-definition TV sets. He's joined by Aaron Andrews in high-definition spots. Bobby, are you gonna are you gonna taste to tune into these guys? You know, of course I will, and we'll see it. I'm sure as they roll out, you know, through college football, professional football, and then you know as we kind of get back into the basketball sports series, they've done these spots before, and they're highly entertaining. I'm kind of looking forward now to seeing how all three of these new additions will, you know, kind of work. Well, I saw a picture, just a just a snapshot of the ads, and they look hilarious. So uh, we'll stay tuned for those. Want to thank our guest Joe Giasante from the University of Oregon. Great catching up with him. The show staff, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, and of course, Evergreen Media Training. One other thing, a podcast reminder, if you missed our show, you want to hear it again, go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast icon, and then also follow us on Twitter. Brian's Twittering weekly about the latest and greatest in sports business radio. He'll, of course, be back next week in this chair, and I'll be in the other one. Hopefully, he'll have some stories from Hawaii. Hopefully, he got to play some Kapalua. But uh, we'll find out all about it right here on Sports Business Radio. We'll see you next week. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House Charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. Have participated in McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com.